Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's Talking Africa program. Talking Africa provides in-depth interviews with experts and other actors in the field of peace and security in Africa. Hello, I'm Desmond Davis. My guest today is Torin Falola, University Distinguished Teaching Professor and Humanities Chair at the University of Texas at Austin in the U.S. Uh, Professor Falola, you've been based in the U.S. for quite a long time. What are your views on this controversial uh, presidential election? Thank you very much. Uh, and it's an unusual election uh, in various ways. One, we have um, an unusual president in Trump uh, whose performance uh, has not been stellar, whose character is um, basically corrupt whose manners are crude, and whose brain is at the level of a 12-year-old uh, against a candidate, uh, Biden, um, with a running mate uh, that is by Russia, uh, in, in a party that is also in bitter competition. So both parties are hailing, actually. Uh, the Republican Party is hailing through bad leadership. And the Democratic Party is hailing through unresolved ideological battles, which are going to unfold as we go forward. But the various, the biggest surprise there is the loser having that larger number of votes. And yes, that to me is something we should bear in mind. That is, it's there is no victor, no loser. It's the entire American society that has lost in this. Yes. Because if they lose Senate, we are back to what produced the American Civil War in the 19th century. Yes. So their tribalism is in full force. Yes. And by not conceding, Trump has not only disgraced the Republican Party, he has disgraced himself, and he has discredited democracy as a principle, yes. bringing us back to what does this mean to Africa? You know, in the 80s, yes. when the Soviet Union exploded and various countries uh, emerged, we began to revisit the idea of tribalism, tribalism in quotes. Yes. Because until then, it was us, Africans who were tribal. It was us always fighting. And then when, you, when they saw Europeans now, behaving exactly as we did in Rwanda, in Nigeria, they began to see themselves as, as tribes and as tribalists. Yes. This election has revealed the fundamental flaws in democracy. And Trump's behavior is showing us that what, what they did in Senegal, what Watera did in Burkina Faso, what Bia is doing in Cameroon, that human beings at some level are fundamentally similar. Yes, indeed. Uh, President Barack Obama, whose book is coming out on November 17, said that uh, he believed that the reason why Donald Trump was voted in was that Americans were spooked by a black president at the White House. Is that the case? Because, I mean, it seems as if, despite the fact that President Trump has lost, he's got well over 70 million people voting for him. So there's still a huge divide in America, a racial divide in America, isn't it? 
if you look at the map, the electoral map, you see the civil, it's exactly like the civil war. Yes. The south and the north, the, the red states and the blue states, sometimes they approximate to the battles that Lincoln fought and the outcome and what produced that conflict. Yes. Those, those are still there. Mm -hmm. Race is still there. Uh, when they did the electoral college, bear in mind, the idea was not to produce a person like Obama. The idea of electoral college is to prevent minority elements from coming together so yes. that they vote for a candidate. And what electoral college does is to say, okay, the, the person with the majority vote, number of votes, the highest number of votes, is not going to emerge as the president. Yes. So that was a, a clever design to, pre to prevent the rise of Obama. But Obama is just a symbol of the racial division in society. Yes. There was a hope for a very fleeting moment that we are into a, a post-racial society. Yes. Very quickly, that theory collapsed. So Tea Party emerged. The Trump, remember, led the campaign that Obama was not a citizen. Yes. And how came another topic that connected you and I. During the campaign for Obama, Hillary Clinton cleverly injected into the debate, who is black? Yes. The argument was that Obama was not black enough. But for Trump's um, bad manners, the choice of the current vice president will have revived that debate. Yes. Why choose Kamara? Aris, who is not a member of the descendant of slavery. Bear in mind this problematic in American politics. The two powerful people, Obama and Kamara, they are not members of the diaspora of slavery. Exactly. Overlapping diasporas in the US. You understand? Yes. The diaspora of slavery, people like um, Jesse Jackson, the diaspora of colonization, people like Obama's father, and the professor, the American professor, who gave birth to the vice president. Yes. And see the ruptures in both marriages. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then there's a diaspora of structural adjustment, of which I'm a member. Yes. So, of which I'm a transnationalist, like those of us who came when the African economies were devastated. But we all live in the US, but we have not been melted. We have yes. not been melted. And you could see on campuses, especially, where a generation like me is not as if we are fully accepted in the academy, even by even by African American colleagues. Yes, because blackness has not been melted. This is not the blackness of Kwame Nkrumah and Du Bois. Yes, that melting has not taken place. That complications are there now. Now comes the complication of the Wall Street in which before Obama, they were outsourcing manufacturing. And yes. by the time they saw the overwhelming consequences, COVID pro provided the overwhelming consequences of the failure of the American state. You outsource to the extent that you cannot produce masks and toilet paper. Yes. The greatest industrial power cannot produce toilet paper. 
Why? Because it has outsourced it to China. It cannot produce ventilators. It has outsourced it to China. When COVID began, when the crisis began, just for you to buy two pieces of toilet paper that they were rationing, yes. you have to go to the store at 6 a.m. and be in line for two hours. Yes. So they created a fundamental flawed economy. And in doing that, they disempowered the majority of their people in the mainstream. And that anger is there. That white anger is real. It's yes. real. And then you have the, the, the dysfunctionality of globalization. Trump was not the first to articulate this dysfunctionality. Remember, remember Buchanan. Before him, Iran. Remember they have been anti-foreignization. Move back to where you live. Remember Brexit. Yes. How issues around globalization and migration are rupturing their society. The theory that these Africans are useless, these Asians are useless, is coming home to say that these so-called useless Africans now constitute the very center of their politics. Because without people who look like you and me, yes. there will be no Brexit in the way the argument is shaped. Yes. Without people who look like you and I, and some of the dysfunctionality in globalization, a person like Trump have not emerged. But one of the damages that Trump has caused is that he did not allow the society to engage in a very positive conversation. Yes. Which they must have as soon as possible. Well, I, I think, to be honest, President Trump came with an agenda, an, an agenda that caused disruption because he thrives on disruption. I, I, I can understand where it was coming from. He wanted to put the, the, the media in its place because we know that the American media, the Washington media, always try to control the White House. So he came in with an agenda to disrupt the, the plans, and he did so for the last four years until, until the elections, didn't he? Well, what, my argument is that, but for COVID, he could probably have won that election. Yes. COVID, COVID undermined him. COVID showed to the public that he's not a good manager. Is not an efficient person. Yes. COVID revealed to the public that he lacks empathy. Even when people were dying, he went to play golf. It is what it is. That is what he said. Here is a president that lost over 200,000 people that could not even cry for once. Yes. They've lost more people to COVID than they lost to the American Civil War. Yes. So, so the terrorists attacked um, New York Tower, a terrible thing. 9-11, yes. 9-11, 3,000 people died. Yes. COVID has killed the highest number in U.S. history. No sympathy, no empathy. But stupid statements, go and drink Lysol, go and, yes. go and take horses of um, about medicine coming from coming from the president where they have the best universities leading epidemiologists and that is all the statements he could come up with and that exposed him to his own people yes. uh, not not to talk of a basic lack of intelligence mannerlessness in talking arrogance and and all sorts of them um, 
childish manners that should not be associated with it. If I behave the way it behaves on my, my campus, they will fire me into yes. Yes, I, I was about to say that, yes, Americans with all the top universities, top scientists, and what have you, how come the, it was a case of really from uh, the sublime Obama to the ridiculous uh, Trump? How did that happen in such a society? Bear in mind, this process has been going on. This process has been going on. Anti-science, anti-environment, anti-foreigners. So in some ways, as you could see from the election results, Trump is speaking for millions of people. Those are their private views that he puts on the public. Yes. So we should, we, just as arguments was made for Hitler and for Mussolini, yes. that we should not see these people as standalone agents. Yes. They represent bigger forces than themselves. Uh, two days ago, Thousands of people marched on watching the march to Washington, trying to yes. support him. Um, so, so forces in societies produced him. Is 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 not just he didn't just produce those forces. He he, he, he capitalized on those existing forces, forces that are there before. Yeah, the, 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 one of the funniest thing about the, the elections that in Africa. When you speak to people, they say, but they thought that uh, if you're the president, you're in power, it's the opposition who should be rigging the election, not you. So, so, so what, what went wrong in America where the president was quite foul? Well, you didn't have that sort of case in Africa where it's always the opposition that's quite foul. Well, you know, it's, he knows that what he's saying is not true, but he's trying to tell his base. Yes. It's a political move to say, look, the I that I represent you with all these supremacy ideas, with all these America first ideas. Yes. The opponents that use the ballot to get rid of me. So it's, 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 it's just, it's damaging their democracy. Yes. But it's saying so as a political strategy, uh, which is, it's still very popular within the party. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, well, after January 20, when it goes, and he no longer has digest to distribute, no power, is um, no privileges to offer, his power will begin to now decline. Yes. Uh, yes. And those who are afraid of challenging now will now come out. Yes. So the party has to rebuild itself. Uh, how fast they can rebuild it themselves, I don't know. But if you look at the results very well, it means that the Republican values are not rejected. Yes. It is Trump that has been rejected. That distinction must be made. Yes, yes. I didn't want, want victories in four or five states. It's so narrow. Yes. So narrow, it's very sometimes 1%, 2%. Yes. So those values are still there. Uh, and when a new leader is able to come up with the language, with the rhetoric, maybe they will rebuild their party. So, so what you're saying, Biden might have a rough time as president, will he? Actually, if they do not win the two Senate states, yes. Biden is in trouble. Yes. In the life of even the best presidency, you are lucky to get two big achievements in eight years. 
Yes. Even in normal circumstances. Biden is coming to power in normal circumstances. If they don't control Senate, there is no major agenda. There will be executive power, but no major agenda. Yes. Part of the two major agenda that the left is pushing them to is to create two new states, Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. Yes. If they don't have Senate, that is gone. Totally gone. It's no longer on the table. The second, increase the number of the Supreme Court by three so that liberals will control the court. Without Senate, that is gone. Yes. See whether you can do more on health and education without Senate, that is gone. Yes. Even if is even if the vice president becomes tiebreaker, yes, he does not have the power to quash veto. And even if they try, the Supreme Court will abolish whatever they do. So he's in trouble. The only prayer he should be making now is for them to win those two Senate seats in Georgia. Yes. I don't think they can win them. The reason mm -hmm. being that if it is Trump people are rejecting, then they may still retain their Republican senators. Yes. Then come the fundamental issue in American democracy. From their very foundation, they like a divided government. Yes. In truth, if people do not have bitterness towards one another, a divided government is an advantage. Because what a divided government does is that it pushes everybody to the center. It forces you to negotiate. Yes. It forces you to see the merit in what your opponents are saying when you have a divided government. That is if you don't have bitterness, if you don't have the kind of ethnicity we have in Africa. Yes. A divided government is an inbuilt mechanism to control excessive abuse of power. Yes. So at some level, there are elites who see things that way. They say, look, don't let us give the Senate to the Democrats because they may then abuse the power. Yes, well, in fact, talking about abuse of power, we can now go to uh, Africa. Well, you've always said that there's a, a deficit of governance and leadership on the, on, on the continent. Are you still holding that, that view? Of course. Well, have things improved? Of course. In fact, look, look, look at the current elections we've had. <laughs> look at them. Look at the crisis in Mali. Look at Cameroon. Look at Guinea. Implosion now in Ethiopia. I've not been able to sleep over Ethiopia after the victory of Nobel. I went to yes. Ethiopia in November to be part of a team. Yes. Congratulate the president. President Abi, yes. This was last November. Yes. A year later, his Nobel is about to be tarnished. Yes. So, so look at all these various, look at South Africa. Look at the leader of the party in Blue Fontaine, just recently yes. uh, on that song. Who's been arrested for corruption? Yes. Look, just look at that. All those issues are unresolved. And look at the
politics from the bottom up, the end size in Nigeria, which gave us hope. Not the chaos, the initial the project. Democracy. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. But people forget there is the end rape in Ghana. There's the end um, police brutality in Zambia. End police brutality in the same campaign in Nigeria. They are, as I'm talking to you now, they're yes. in five countries. Yes. Only that they, they don't have the kind of publicity that the Nigerian one got. Yes. So that disappointment is there. That leadership disappointment is there. Disappointment relating to the age of all these presidents, their vision, corruption has not gone. I'm so worried about South Africa because I don't want South Africa to go the ways of Nigeria in yes, which, which is politicians become corrupt. That tendency is there now, and it can. It's, I've traveled on some roads in South Africa. The last time I went to Gramstown, yes, between so many months, they were not able to fix two miles. Yes, and I said, "What is going on? Why are we doing this to ourselves?" So that place worried me. Look at Zambia. Talking about losing its control to China. So, yeah. uh, uh, but having said that, I'm always very optimistic. And my opti optimism derives from the capacity of youth to become involved. And more and more, they are realizing that they have to inject their own voices. I am getting optimistic by growing entrepreneurship in which Many men and women are saying, look, let's create businesses that work. I'm, I'm becoming very optimistic about that. I'm optimistic about knowledge economy. You are not likely to find many African families who, who don't put their children in school. Yes. Women are happy about the quality of the school. And those are going to produce both their own contradictions and challenges that will move these states forward. So on the one hand, I am depressed about the quality of leadership, its incapacity to transform the continent. But on the other hand, there are so many signs, visible signs, that transformations are underway in a very positive direction. You are listening to Talking Africa on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome back. My guest today is Toin Falola, University Distinguished Teaching Professor and Humanities Chair at the University of Texas at Austin in the US. Uh, you mentioned uh, education and what have you. The other day you said that uh, private universities in, 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 in Nigeria have made progress, a lot more progress than people were expecting and that they're doing a lot better than federal and state institutions. Why is that? Thank you for that question. And I'm glad you are hosting this from Nairobi because of the similar situation. I do not know the last time you were at the University of Nairobi. Yes. I do not know the last time you were at the University of Kenyatta. Once a year, I'm always there. Yes. I have colleagues there. I've seen colleagues carrying hundreds of scripts to go and grade. And I asked them, 
are you a, you are not a machine. These are not objective questions. These are essays. Why will a system think you can grade 1,000 papers or 600 papers? Yeah. Relate the facilities to the number of students. These are, or go to Chekantadiop University, over 100,000 students. In Senegal. In Senegal. Yeah. So these public universities have become huge, unmanageable, chaotic with diminished quality of teaching and research. Yeah. So look at the emergence of private universities in Kenya. I know three of the university presidents in Nairobi. In yeah. yeah. They're my colleagues. Paul Celesa is my friend. In yes, fact, Paul Celesa. Yes. He has the American University. Midamba, um, he heads the University of Accounting and Business. He used to teach at Kent State. Yes. Oris Amutabi. He used to teach in Washington here. These are all my friends. And I talk to them regularly. In Nigeria, I've received them five honorary doctorates from private universities. I sit on yes. the board of one of them. They take care of the students. You know, Bapok University, the parent can call the vice chancellor anytime. Yes. They, 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 they do ethical teaching. You cannot miss a class. You can cancel a class. So they are improving on the quality of the degree. Very soon, in develop, in, in where entrepreneurship is developing very fast, as in the case of Nigeria, the only person who is going to give somebody with a degree from a public university a job will be government itself. Yes. I don't see you with your own company that you are managing with your own resources. We go and hire somebody from the University of Nairobi and not go and hire from where Celesa is teaching. Yes. Because the, the, the differences are clear, both in, in critical thinking, in skills, in English, that these private universities are taken more seriously. Yes. Public universities. If they can inject more fund, return to the values of the 70s and 60s, they can match up. South Africa, we don't know what's going to happen because South Africa is still very resistant to, to creating private investors. Yes. But, but they are not also injecting sufficient fund into the system. Ghana, private investors are doing well. Our friend from Seattle went back home Yes. To university. This university is very doing well, and they are a thinking system, blending skills with humanities, redefining how to teach, how to transmit skills, and realizing that creativity and entrepreneurship is good. Your friend um, Kujo created the University of Communication for Media yes. and Journalism. Kujo Yanka, yes. Yes, as, as, as it develops that kind of university, the communication department at Legon may not be able to compete with him. Yes. And so, so, and so what you're saying, the government should just privatize these uh, public universities? I wouldn't go to that extent because then it means we're, we're going to be destroying the children of persons and the mechanics and the poor people. And the poor people, yes. Yeah, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. We can only say they, they should be very conscious 
of the fact that this quality is going down and they should inject money into them, try to admit the number they can cope with. Uh, yeah. we, we have an imbalance in resources in relation to population, not just with education in Africa, yes, but with everything, housing, the roads. We, we don't relate growing population to infrastructure and resources. So it affects everything we do. Water supply, electricity, land allocation. So, so, so how do you see the emergence of leadership centers providing training for Africans, like the African Leadership Center and the Tabo Mbeki School, which you actually attended the launch recently? Are, are they the way forward for the next generation of the continent's leaders? Think tanks are necessary. They've always been there. Policy centers like the leadership center, they're necessary. We need them. To be honest, I don't think we have deficiency in ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, these centers were even created as far back as the colonial period. Yes. Uh, Mamdani is heading the one in Uganda, Mamsa. In Uganda. They were were in Ghana, Naisa in Nigeria. They've always been there. But the products just are left on the shelves. The PhD thesis are left on the shelves. I don't think there's any major idea you are looking for that is not there as we speak. Whether it's on agriculture, whether it's on leadership, whether it's on fishery, our people are extremely intelligent and talented and creative. All these ideas are there, but they they are not incubated, they're not translated, they're not put to use. So the missing link is not ideas on leadership, that the leadership center is generating on peace and security and conflict. Yes. Those ideas are there. (laughs) But the missing link is, is Kenyatta using those ideas? (laughs) Are members of his cabinet using those ideas? Have they even visited the center to even know those ideas are there? Because, go ahead, please. Yeah, no, that's a good point you've made because over the years, uh, the, first, of, first of all, the Organization of African Unity and then the African Union. When you go to meetings and they're talking about something, then someone will point out, but we discussed that 10 years ago and no, nothing has been implemented. That's what's been happening at the AU. You know, you have documents there, nothing is moving forward. How do we get to, 20, how does Africa get to 2063? Well, you just answered the question. How yes. Africa will get to 2060? All these documents are already there. Yes, all the ideas are there. And, and, and what happens is as, as you change power, each new power says, okay, let's call another meeting. Take Nigeria, for instance, national conference, restructuring yes. the country. Yes. They've been doing this for 50 years. It's just that, okay, let me just hold another meeting. Let me put people in nice hotels. Let them talk. Let me waste their time. Let me host them to a state dinner. Let me disband them. Let them collect their checks. (laughs) They are not ready to go home. Yes, because I mean, just wonder how the Africa free trade agreement will work. Because remember, we had the Lagos, Africa had the Lagos Plan of Action. Nothing came out of the Lagos Plan of Action. 
So will this Africa Free Trade Agreement work? So Nigeria signed ECOWAS Treaty, all this free trade. You know, its borders with all its neighbors are closed. I've been yes. closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you how do you implement that? So on the one hand, we complain that over 30 million Africans were stolen as slaves. Yes. To use as labor. Yes. The other hand, somebody gives you free labor and you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe if we start selling Africans to each other. So so, so you, you take some little men in, in Johannesburg. Yes. Pretoria from Nigeria and Lesotho. Yes. I asked them. They're not the ones taking away jobs from you. Yes. Lesotho and Nigerians are not the ones creating problems for South Africa. Yes. who come to Nigeria, they don't create a single problem for Nigeria. Mm. Nigeria has already created problems for itself. Yes. It's, it's not the poor person looking for cleaning jobs who is coming from Burkina Faso arriving in Lagos that is creating problems for Lagos. Yeah. The, the, the budget of Lagos State alone is much bigger than that of Ghana. Yes. So the, the budget of my state is bigger than the budget of Syria alone. So what's your state? My state is Oyo State. Oyo State, okay. Nigeria, yes. So, so if you find um, five um, Malians in Ibadan, and you are harassing him, Yes. Is it the one creating problems for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so before we finish, what about conflict in Africa? Africa was supposed to silence the guns in 2020. There's no hope of that. Look at what's happening in Ethiopia and Mozambique. So, so I just finished a book, uh, Secessionist Conflict in Africa, uh, which is an, it's an open book. It's for free. Yes. Secession and separatist conflicts in post-colonial Africa. Okay. So, so some one can even argue that Africa has not had enough wars and conflicts. Mm. If you look at that continent, yes. If you look at the way it was cobbled together, we must credit ourselves for for keep, capacity to manage the space. Well, exactly. How many, how many external wars have Nigeria had in its lifetime? Zero. Zero, yes, none at all. How many, the, the African armies, whom do they kill? They have not banned large kills foreigners. They've killed their own citizens. Yes. Syria alone, Liberia, the army that were put forward Illegal, the non-legal. Is it Ghanaians they killed? No, they were killed Sierra Leoneans. Liberians. They killed Nigerian army has killed more Nigerians than non-Nigerians since its formation. Yes. So, so uh, there are troubled areas. By and large, many of these conflicts are internal. Yes. The way the are ruptured. And they are tied to the distribution of power. How do you distribute power internally to generate autonomy for people and places that represented historical identities over time? They have to be respected. Yes. How do you do social justice in those cities? Social justice in respect of putting food on your table, access yes. to basic needs of life, to stabilize that environment. How do you produce 
middle class. Of course, there are tensions in Kenya with its borders, but by and large, the, the real system is, is internal, which tells us the nature of the state, that the agenda of that state, as Fumi Olam Shaki, one of the founders of your center, argued, yes. is that there's no development on the state agenda. Yes. She makes that argument very powerfully. Yes. And that the police and the army, they don't exist to service people, but they exist to service those who manage the state. If development comes back to the agenda of the state, many of these conflicts that we're talking about, there will always be conflicts. There can be no state or society without conflict at any time, but your capacity to manage them will be more efficient, be more transparent, and power should be more accountable and transparent. We have yes, to manage all those. Yes, but the police and army were set up by the colonialists to, to protect the colonial state. And, and the police and army in South Africa was more protecting apartheid state rather than anything else. So the, so the culture hasn't changed. Yes, that's for me, Alonis Shakin's argument. Yes. That culture has not changed. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 if you, the police in Nigeria, the police protect the politician. In fact, yeah. the police follows the wife of the politician to the market. In fact, the wife of a Nigerian politician treats the police as a domestic help, sergeant. Yeah. As, a, as a private I'm security out. officer. Can you go to the market to buy me salt? I'm not exaggerating. The wife of the the wife of the politician can send the police to the market to go and buy chicken. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, Toyin Falola, University Distinguished Teaching Professor and Humanities Chair at the University of Texas at Austin, the United States. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Talking Africa and ALC Pan-African Radio. For these and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com.